0: Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Galatians chapter number one, we'll be reading verses six through ten. And uh, as you find your place, I'll ask you, if you will, this morning to stand and as we read the word of the Lord and honor and reference to Him this morning. In verse number 6, the Bible says this, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men, or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word this morning. God, thank you for the songs that have been sung. Lord, thank you for the people you've gifted to sing them. And uh, God, I pray now that as we uh, draw our hearts into the word of the Lord, God, that you would be our focus. Lord, that you would have our attention. God, more importantly, that you would have our heart. And uh, Lord, help us to not just go through the motions of this hour, Lord, but God, there's a work that needs to be done today that I cannot do. So Father, we lift our voices to you in prayer. Uh, Lord, I can't change anyone's life. God, I can't help anyone to take the word of the Lord and apply it and uh, cause any kind of changes to be made. Lord, that's a strength that only you have God but I'm thankful with you God there is that hope today Lord we know that this time is not in vain because uh, Lord your word will not return void it is powerful and God it'll do what you intend for it to do this morning and I'll thank you for that courage that I that courage that that gives me as I stand here today Lord as I take on a task that is bigger than me that is uh, more than I can do Lord I'm thankful for the enabling of the spirit of God and uh, Lord his work in people's hearts and lives and I pray for that today God, I pray that as this service concludes, Lord, that I would not be upon anyone's mind, Father, as the preacher, but, Lord, ultimately our attention would be set upon you. And we'd leave here today, God, as the saying goes, not thinking what a great preacher, but, Lord, we'd leave here today thinking what a great Savior. And, Lord, we are thankful for who you are, for what you've done for us. And, uh, God, we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. If someone's here today that's lost, Lord, I pray for their salvation, God, that you would do that work in them that gives them the, uh, Lord, that second birth, regeneration, God, I pray that you would do that in them and in their life. Lord, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your kindness. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. And in Christ's name we pray this morning. Amen. Thank you for standing. Open open mindedness is something that is heavily, heavily pushed in our day. And granted much of, of what we hear about open open-mindedness is implying that everyone should be accepting of everything. And uh, regardless of its contrary to righteousness, regardless of its contrary to godliness, and regardless of its according to the Scriptures or not, the idea of open-mindedness in our day is the push, that being closed-minded is spoken of very, very negatively. And I'm going to make a statement this morning that is going to make the open-mindedness of our day probably gasp, but nonetheless is true according to the Scriptures this morning, and that is that there are no other gospels that are welcome here. There should be no other gospels that are welcome in your life. Even to us as Christians, I would say there are ways and there are areas where oftentimes we might could be more open-minded and not in, I'm not speaking towards spiritual doctrinal matters, but a lot of times we, not just as Christians, but as people, think that our way is the only way and our opinion is the only opinion. And everyone else that doesn't think like me is wrong and I'm right. And in those areas, in these non-essential and these non-doctrinal areas, we could often be, it would probably be more of a help to us and to our lives to take in other people's perspective, hear their point of view, hear them out, and be more understanding in these areas. Have enough humility to understand that everything I think is not right, everything I think is not best. You've probably heard the saying, somebody say, well, I could agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. And that's, that's the way a lot of people feel. And in a lot of areas, we shouldn't be so, so steadfast and believing that our way is the only way. But in this matter of the gospel, and with all that being said, regardless of how you feel about the current push of open-mindedness and all these different things, there's one thing that I, we, can, we can stand on truth this morning and not be open-minded about, and that is the gospel. According to the scriptures, according to God, there is one thing that you have complete freedom to be closed-minded about. And being that way is not just Baptist being hard to get along with. It's not just being stubborn about letting go of our own way. But this closed-mindedness that we have about the gospel originates with Jesus. If you remember in John chapter number 14 and verse number six, Jesus himself asserts the closed-minded nature of the gospel. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the one that outlined there's one way. Jesus is the one that outlined the fact that there's one path to the Father, and that's by Him. There's no other way. So that's not an idea that originates with the church. That's not an idea that originates with with me, that's not an idea that originated with a pastor, with a particular preacher. That is the words of Jesus, that there is one way, and that is it. There's one way of salvation. And in a time where acceptance is the push, an acceptance of all things is the push, we must must hold on to this single definition of the gospel, this one plan of salvation, which is if you go back to verse number four, that Christ gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this. Present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. There is the gospel. And what a beautiful gospel it is that Jesus Christ gave Himself. When you and I were the sinners, you and I were the ones that fought, you and I are the ones that had trespassed against God and rebelled against Him, Jesus stepped in and said, I will give myself. Where you and I were the ones that were subject to the wrath of God. Christ said, I will take that wrath for them. I will stand in their place. I will be their sacrifice. Everything he endured that you read in the Gospels during his crucifixion should have been the wrath and should have been the judgment that you and I faced. But Jesus stepped in our place and took the punishment of our sins so that you and I might go free as just because our sin had been answered for and our sin had been dealt with. And you and I as believers, you and I as the church, you and I as Christians must never let let the message of the gospel, the message of hope become anything else, anything other than the fact that it's Christ and Him alone. So I ask you, if you will, this morning to follow with me as we travel through these verses and understand why we cannot be open-minded about the gospel. We cannot be accepting, we cannot be welcoming of other so-called Gospels, of other messages of hope, of other messages of salvation. Paul says in verse number 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another Gospel. The seriousness of this issue, the seriousness of the matter in, of the purity and, and holding fast and Maintaining the pure gospel is seen even in Paul's writing structure. In most of his letters, he opens after his greeting or his salutation and, or his opening to his letters, he begins with a, some kind of thanksgiving for some kind of grace or some kind of characteristic that is prominent in the believers that he's writing to. But here he gets right to the heart of his matter, which is that he's amazed. He's surprised at how quickly they were removed from the gospel that had been preached to them, unto another gospel. So not too long ago, Paul had been there. Paul and his companions had been with the Galatian believers and preached the gospel. He had preached to them that Christ gave himself for their sins. They put their faith in that. They grabbed a hold of that. They anchored themselves in the hope of the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. But not long after Paul left, these other these other false teachers stepped in and began to share with them what Paul defines as another gospel. And where they had, they had originally put all their hope in Jesus, they quickly turned their back on the message. They quickly had taken hold. They had, When Paul was there, had taken hold of the gospel as their only hope. That's what they grabbed. That's what they held close as their, their hope and their salvation. They held it close, but when these false teachers came, they quickly disengaged that hope and let it go. We know this to be the result of the Judaizers who came in among the believers and said things like, you have to be circumcised to truly be saved, or you have to do this, and you have to keep this aspect of the law. And They taught more that was needed for salvation than just Jesus Christ to have eternal life. And the sad, unfortunate thing is that their their false teaching influenced the believers in Galatia. And Paul was surprised by this. He marveled at this. That they would remove, that they would walk away from the message of truth so quickly. The word "removed," that you see in verse number six, means to desert or to fall away from. I read that is a is a military word, so think of the idea of, desert, of desertion. So, if over here, if we take over here and say, "This is the true gospel. This is the pure gospel. This is that Christ gave Himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God." And this is where they stood when Paul was there. They put their faith in that pure, that pure, true gospel. And then in come these false teachers, saying things like, "You have to be. You, it's more than just Christ gave Himself. You have to be circumcised. Or you need to do this." And somewhere in the midst of all that, it influenced those believers, and they they thought, "Well, that must be true, and that must be right." So if here's the true gospel, they deserted it. They turned their back on that, and they walked away. And they went and then they embraced this other message. They embraced what Paul is defining as this another gospel. And he's going to to explain what he means in the next verse. But they had turned their back on the true gospel. They had turned their back on this, this concept that Christ gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil world. And that is our only hope today. We have no other hope than that Christ gave himself for our sins. Nothing else will deliver you from this present evil world. But notice what Paul says in verse number 6. He was marveled that they were so soon removed that they had walked away, that they turned their back, that they had deserted him that called you unto the grace of Christ and to another gospel. Notice who they're turning their back on. Paul wasn't so concerned that they had turned their back on the apostles. He didn't say you turned your back on us. He didn't say you turned your back on the Baptist Church, which of course wasn't in existence at this particular time by name, but in other words, you put whatever you want to in the blank. When we walk away from the true gospel, we're not walking away from Silver Springs Baptist Church. You're not walking away from me or Pastor James. You're not even walking away from your parents. Ultimately, when you walk away from the true gospel, when you walk away from He gave Himself for our sins and you embrace another message of hope, of so called hope. Ultimately, what you're doing is you're turning your back on God. God had given this plan of salvation, and by going after another deceptive message of, the, of good news, they thought they could find another way to God besides His way. And if we become accepting of other gospels, if we are welcome and open minded towards other gospels, Understand they can influence us the way that this false gospel spreading in the churches of Galatia influenced them. It wasn't just that false teachers came in. They identified it as false teaching, and they rejected it, and they denied it. But somewhere somewhere in the midst of all that, they were a little too open-minded towards another plan of salvation, and it began to influence them, and they said eventually it won them over. And if we're open-minded towards salvation, that there's another way, that there's a possibility that there's some other way, then it could begin to influence us and lead us astray so that in the end you and I are also removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. And with that Paul clarifies what he means in verse number 7, there is not another gospel. He's using that as a I guess they play on words. There is no such thing, hear me this morning, there is no such thing as two Gospels. God has provided one message of good news. One way of salvation, and it's through Jesus Christ. The problem is, is there's false teachers in the world. And they will pervert the Gospel of Christ. And then they come up with another message, another message of hope. But it's a false hope. It's not real. And one day, for all those that will put their faith in it, that put their trust in these, these false messages that come up, will one day be disappointed. That false gospel will prove to let them down. As one Bible commentary stated, God has provided only one way to be forgiven of sin and inherit eternal life, by believing in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Other supposed ideas, other thoughts, other messages that no matter how good they might sound are not valid. They're not true. The term trouble that you see in verse number 7, he says these other these false teachers come in, they give you this other gospel, and that's he says there is not another. There is no comparative to the message of salvation in Christ. And he says they've come in and they are trouble you with this perverted gospel, this distorted, this corrupted, this changed gospel. And the term troubled speaks of being shaken or disturbed. The image I get in my mind when I was studying is think about the damage it would do if we took one of these little babies and began to shake them back and forth, the disturbance that would cause. That's the idea I get from studying that word, and that's what these false gospels can do is they can disturb us if we let them get their hold upon us. But also, we're not open-minded to other Gospels this morning because curse, the Bible says that those who do, that are open-minded, that welcome in other Gospels, that proclaim other Gospels, they're to be cursed. He says, but though we, the apostles, those that were respected, those that were trusted, those that had been entrusted by Christ with the Gospel, or even an angel itself from heaven... If it comes to this earth and preaches to you any other message of salvation, let him be accursed. And as we said before, in other words, Paul had emphasized this message before, and it's more, verse number 8 is more hypothetical. He says, if I or any of the other apostles come to you, if an angel from heaven comes to you, but then verse number 9 is a little bit more down to earth, he says, so say I now, again, if any man, if anybody comes to you, I don't care what their credentials are, I don't care what their reputation is. I don't care how well respected they are in the world in which you live. If anybody else comes to you and preaches any other gospel, than Christ gave himself for your sins to deliver you from this present evil world. He says, let him be accursed. Dr. David Jeremiah explains that accursed means to be set aside to God for destruction. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God takes his gospel very seriously. He will not accept anyone tampering with his gospel. The gospel is his. It came from him. It originated with him. And it's not ours to make it what we want. To avoid God's disfavor, we must never embrace or be open to any other gospel. We don't ever want to try to fight against God. And the message that God has put in the world is our message of hope. God will not tolerate such perversion. We as a church, us as individuals, as we try to witness and try to carry out the Great Commission in our personal lives, and me as a pastor, must take our sharing of the gospel very seriously. In fact, we are even, I think, according to Paul's writing here, have grounds to stand upon and show our disapproval of other messages. We live in a day a lot of times where showing disagreement with somebody is not often welcomed and people want to avoid confrontation and we as Christians are not confrontational but one thing we as I mentioned in opening Galatians are willing to fight for as Christians as followers of Christ is the pure gospel of Jesus Christ that's something we should be willing to fight for that's the whole premise of Paul's writing is he's willing to fight for the gospel in its purity that it would not get distorted that the pure gospel would not be lost Among these believers, as many of them had forsaken and embraced this other message. So, in Paul's words, we see again the seriousness of maintaining the gospel in its purity. We step under the influence of destruction when we embrace any other gospel, it's a serious matter. The gospel is serious, the message of hope is serious. But also this morning, we're not open-minded towards other Gospels because we don't want to fail as servants of Christ, according to verse number 10. So in all this, Paul says, do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? Here's a statement, for if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Here Paul is sharing his motivation for his his words here. Why is he writing? Why why does he care so much? Why does he not just let them carry on with what they're doing? Why does it bother him that this other gospel is going around? Why does he not just say, well, they should know better. I'll just keep doing my thing. Why is he stopping? Why, of course, we know the Spirit of God is working through him, but why even take the time to write? It's because he's a servant of Christ. Paul is not motivated by trying to please men. He's not trying to get into the goodwill of man. He's not out to try to win their favor. If he was, then he would just let all this go. Why try to deal with an issue? Why bring up an error in people's lives? You know, Obviously, that's, people don't often receive that very well. Why take the time to do this if he was just out to please men and win their favor and be in their goodwill? Is likely many commentators stated, and I think it makes good sense, that Paul was being attacked because he was including Galatians, or he was including Gentiles in the message of salvation, where it always been the Jew, the message of hope for the Jew. And now he's saying even Gentiles are included. And so that's why he was attacked for just trying to, to please men. He's just trying to make everybody happy. And Paul says, That is not my motivation at all. If that was his heart, if all he was trying to do was win the favor of men to make sure men liked him, to make sure he was doing what pleased man, then Paul says, I would not be the servant of Christ. As the ESV Bible commentary pointed out, Paul poses two absolute incompatible goals, pleasing man or pleasing God. The commentary said, there is is no possibility of combining the two. In our defense of the gospel and in all other things, we must ask ourselves as our heart to please God or to please people. 1 Thessalonians 2 4 says, But as we, this is Paul writing, as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. In other words, he's saying God, had, God took his gospel, the message of Christ, the message that in him is the only way to be delivered from this present world, and he, he, he entrusted it to Paul, to the early apostles. He, handed it over to them, entrusted them with it, told them to go share, to go spread the good news. And Paul said, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. It was God who entrusted Paul with the gospel. It was God who gave him the joy and the privilege to go out into the world sharing the good news that Jesus saves. So Paul wasn't just fighting for the gospel to be able to say he was right. Paul wasn't just trying to perpetuate this gospel so that he could at the end of the day tell everybody else, I'm right and you're wrong. That's not Paul's motivation and that's not Paul's heart. And that's not our heart as Baptists, as believers today. It's not so that we can tell everybody we're right and you're wrong. That's not why we're closed-minded towards other gospels. We're closed-minded towards other gospels because the gospel that you and I believe, which is that Christ gave himself for our sins, That was given to us by God, and God has entrusted us with that gospel as a church, as individuals, as believers. And so in our faithfulness to Him as our Lord, we don't share any other gospel. We don't believe any other gospel. We don't teach or preach any other gospel because we're servants of Christ. And He has entrusted us with His message of hope. And there's a lot of other... Messages of so-called hopes, of so-called gospels that people will much much more quickly receive than the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. There's a lot of messages we could preach that this church would probably be full this morning. But we do not do that because we're not here to please men. We're here to share and perpetuate the gospel out into the world out of our faithfulness to Christ. If we're going to fight for the pure gospel, and if we're going to be concerned with false teachers and the damage they cause, ultimately we must do so because we are carrying out our service to Jesus. We have to see the gospel as something that He has entrusted us with. He's he's relying on, He is allowing us, rather, to be stewards of His gospel. And it's beyond prideful for you and I to change that message and not to be faithful with it. The idea behind the term "servant" has challenged me. It means to belong to another. It implies not having any ownership rights of our own. And I like this. In the New Testament, it's a word that's used with the highest dignity when in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we carry out our life in service to Him, it's used in the highest dignity and the New Testament, but losing ownership rights of our life, belonging to another, our flesh fights that. But ultimately, if we see ourselves as servants of Christ, then we must fight for the gospel. A lack of concern for the gospel, a lack of concern for the true gospel is evidence that you and I have not fully become servants of Christ. This even could be evidence this morning that you and I do not take seriously the call of God upon our life as a witness. One commentary said this, Paul did not apologize for his straightforward words, knowing that he could not serve Christ faithfully if he allowed the Galatian Christians to remain on the wrong track. If Paul didn't say anything about this, if Paul just let this false teaching continue to spread and didn't try to fight it and didn't address it, Ultimately, it wasn't him being negligent towards the believers in Galatia. It was more than that. It was him him being negligent with the call of God upon his life. And for you and I to be negligent with the gospel, to not be concerned with it being shared in its purest sense, is not to serve Christ faithfully. having a burden for the, the true gospel, having a burden for what is stated in verse number 4, and it being prominent in people's lives as a result of taking seriously our relationship with Jesus Christ and us as His servants. I'd ask you, if you would, this morning, if you'll stand with me, and I'll ask Miss Heather if she'll come around and uh, prepare to lead us in an invitation. You know, it. it seems like we live in a world where For everything that is real, there are twice as many fakes and cheap knockoffs, as we say. And unfortunately, it's not any different with the gospel. The world has been given a true and valid message of salvation. God has given it to us. The scriptures give it to us. And it again is in verse number four. He gave himself for our sins. That he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. That's your message of hope. That's your message of salvation. And we as Christians... We as believers must never, ever, ever turn our back on this message. The world is full of corruption in many, many ways. But you and I are here to, to, to fight for, to hold true to the pure gospel as it was given by God. But the sinfulness of our world will often seek to corrupt its message and distort it, and we cannot let it. We must be soldiers fighting for the true gospel, not allowing people to be deceived by any other message of so-called hope. If you're here today and you're lost, and you don't know Christ, I urge you to hear verse number 4. You are a sinner according to the word of the Lord, but Christ gave himself for your sins. That's your hope today. You say, well, I've, I've done this, and I've committed this sin, and I've done... Listen to the verse. He gave himself for your sins. Whatever they might be, you have hope in Christ to be delivered from this present evil world if you've never been saved. If you have a burden this morning that you might be more faithful with the gospel, you might be more like Paul and, and fighting for, for it, it when it's challenged, when people try to oppose it, when other messages you hear, when you want to be more faithful to, to share the gospel like Paul. God has dealt with your heart in any ways. Ms. Heather comes around and leads us in a song, I urge you to come.